Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. we got a lot still to get to on the show today. I'm broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. And want to let all the listeners know that happy hour just got happier. Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30 at any of the Cap Ale Richmond locations, downtown Midlothian, or with me here in Innsbruck, you can take advantage of happy hour Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30. That's $2 off draft beers, $3 off wine, and $3 off liquor drinks, but also includes $3 off five-piece wings, $3 off loaded fries, and a Bavarian pretzel. Got to take advantage of happy hour here at Cap Ale Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30. Stubb, how are you doing today, man, from the production room there in Richmond, Virginia? Did, did you have a good weekend, man? What was the highlight? Uh, doing great. Uh, wasn't the best weekend. Did you do anything cool this weekend? Got a little sick, so it was a lot of a lot of bedtime okay. for me. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I call Uh-oh. it food poisoning. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. I think I, I, I seem to be over it now, so. What did what did you eat? Did you go to a certain restaurant? I went to okay. City Diner. All right. Well, but... I'll, I'll tell you, man. I, I had. I... Yeah. Okay. I've never tried that place. Um, so I, I wanted to get to the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me since moving back to Richmond. Now, uh, I'll be honest with you guys. I told a story that was similar to this last year. All right. It was pretty embarrassing. I went out with some friends to uh, Slingshot there in Scott's Edition and. You guys know I always, I always, I always claim that the sidewalks in Scott's Edition are terrible. I mean, they're so they're so annoying. Uh, they're not paved at all. There's tree branches all over the place. It's so easy to fall. And it's unbelievable how easy it is to fall on the sidewalks. And so walking home uh, last year, around this time, actually, um, I went to talk and holler at some chicks on the other side of the road. And was walking with them and completely face-planted, all right? <laughs> Fell on my face, cut up my wrist and my hand. It was embarrassing. I'm bleeding all over the place. Somehow I still got the girl's number, right? I don't know. She, I guess she felt pity for me. Uh, <laughs> similar thing happened over the weekend, all right? So Friday after the show, I'm playing a ton of pickleball now. Like, I, I'm legit. Uh, people think I'm crazy. I'm legit trying to go pro in pickleball. I don't play unless I'm playing to win. I'm supposed to play in my first tournament at the end of this month, the Pickle Boo here in Richmond. So Friday after the show, went with one of my friends. We're playing singles, all right? Then we played doubles, and I'm smacking the heck out of the ball. I'm feeling so good with my forehand, with my backhand. I'm rushing to the net. I'm crushing the ball. Maybe the best pickleball I've ever played in my life. My body felt good. Remember, I popped my ankle a month ago. That's now recovered. I had the shoulder wiffle ball injury. Now I'm recovered from that. So I'm feeling good. I stretched. I'm playing some of the best tennis, uh, some of the best pickleball I've ever played. All right. So my play wasn't enough. All right. I was playing so good. That wasn't enough. I decided I'm playing so good. I got to talk the talk. So I'm smart, smack talking everyone. You know, we're joking around. We're all friends out there on the court. I'm saying, you guys can't return my forehand. I'm hitting the line every time. I'm talking smack, but I'm backing it up. And I was the best player on the court. I was the best player on the court uh, down there at Bryan Park. All right? There's four courts there. We're all playing. I'm smacking the crap out of the ball. I'm talking smack. I was the best guy on the court. After we play, all right, I get on my scooter. 
and I and all right, and I bird scooter there, and I like to bird scooter her home. It reminds me of when I was a kid. So I get on the bird scooter, and the guys are waving to me goodbye. Oh, Adam, you played so good today. And as soon as I get on the bird, I go down the pathway, and it turns from pathway to grass, and my wheel slides, and the wheel slips out from under the bird, and I know I'm going down. And it was at that moment when I said, I've got to jump off the bird. Because if I hold on, I might seriously break something. So I, like I'm, like I'm freaking Tony Hawk, jump off the bird while it's going like 15 miles an hour and slide all over my right side of my body. Stubb, I wish you were here at Capitol Ale House could you, so you could see. I'm cut on two parts of my wrist, one part of my elbow. My entire right thigh is bruised. I look like a skateboarder that has just been through it here because I was talking smack on my bird scooter and the wheel slipped from underneath of me. It was so embarrassing because I was playing so well that was like everyone was watching me. They were like, oh, we can't wait for this guy to leave so we can actually play some competitive pickleball. They were all watching me as I fell, and then they all stopped. Two of them came running over to check on me, and I got up so quickly and hopped back on that bird. I said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, and I rode off. I got two texts later that day, one of them from my buddy. Hey, man, I just wanted to check make sure that you didn't hit your head. That looked like a, a nasty fall. I want to make sure that you didn't get a concussion. I said, I didn't come close to hitting my head, but my right side of my leg is all scraped up. Thanks for asking. Another guy reached out to me. Hey, man, you played a really good pickleball today, uh, but are you okay after that bird scooter incident? It looked really bad. I mean, my goodness, I think I'm good at riding a bird scooter, but the problem was is the birds around town, they're all garbage. I'm blaming Bird, all right? I'm blaming the company Bird for this because some if you've ever ridden the scooters around town, some of them, other people have fallen and then gotten back up, and because of that, the wheels are twisted, all right? I think my tire pressure was a little low, and as soon as I hit the grass, that wheel went flying, and my, my, my Bird scooter went from straight up and down to parallel to the ground, and I had no nothing to do but to jump off like I'm Tony Hawk and just let my body slide on the ground, on the concrete. It was embarrassing. I, I was bloody getting home that night. I had to get in the shower. I was I had to go out and find Neosporin. I don't buy Neosporin. I knew that I needed it because I was covered in cuts. It was so embarrassing. That was the, the worst part about it. Wasn't that, you know, I fell. It was the fact that everyone was watching after they thought, oh, man, this guy's the next you know, Andre Agassi of pickleball. He's the best. But I don't look like an athlete when I got on the bird scooter and I fell off within a matter of five seconds. I mean, just so embarrassing, Stubb. I'm, so embarrassing. I'm not getting back on oh, the bird boy. after that. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing hurt today. I, I know, I know. That's the problem that we're dealing with here. I need to buy my own personal scooter because all the birds around town here are terrible. And I'm telling you, after I was riding at home, I had to hold the scooter. I had to hold the wheel a little bit to the right to go straight because that wheel was crooked. All right, and I'm blaming the wheel. I am a better bird scooter rider than I displayed on Friday night. I'm, I'm, I'm walking home that, that day. All right, I, so I'm, I've got to get back on the bird. I'm not I taking my chances. I, I got back on that bird so quickly. I got back on it so quickly and was I was speeding home. I was speeding home. And I'm I'm riding by people and I look like like I just came back from combat. I mean my I had blood that was falling down my wrist. I had blood that was falling from my elbow and just dripping onto the ground. It was so disgusting and embarrassing and uh I you know, I'm 
I'm feeling it today. I, I still am. Uh, I had I got some hot tea from my friends here at Capital Ale House. The hot tea hit the cut on my wrist, and I had screamed. <laughs> I mean, it hurts so much. This thing's going to take forever to blister up, and now I'm dealing with the pain on my right wrist and my elbow, and I'm supposed to play in a pickleball tournament at the end of the month. My goodness, it couldn't get any worse than this. So embarrassing. If you've ever had an embarrassing story that you want to reveal... Like I just did. You can call in. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show as we recap NFL Sunday and get you set for Monday Night Football. I can't think of a better place here in town to check out Monday Night Football, especially because Capital Ale owns the late night. Yeah, take advantage of that late night menu here at Cap Ale. I always do. I love the wings. I think I'm feeling a burger today. The fries are delicious. And uh, also, people sleep on broccolini. I mean, my goodness, Stub. Broccolini, one of my favorite vegetables out there. It is so much better than broccoli. <laughs> broccolini just destroys uh, broccoli. This right, is that's new to fact. me. I don't know what this is. Oh, really? All right, I'll try to bring some home today, uh, and then you can maybe try it on air. To me, it's just uh, it tastes like butter. You know how Michael Phillips was talking about escargot? They just drench it in butter. They do the same thing with broccolini. It's hardly a vegetable and more just tastes like butter. It's amazing. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. I'll be honest with you guys. That commander's defeat to the Chicago Bears, it really tore me in, tore me apart inside. It really did. I have no faith in this team. I have no faith in this team to now beat the Atlanta Falcons. And that's the question of the day here on the Richmond commander. Do you believe that the commanders can turn it around? and beat Atlanta this Sunday. It's time for the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for the The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. I just don't believe. I don't believe that this defense can stop anyone. I don't believe this offense if line, this offensive line, can give Sam Howell enough time in the pocket to find his receivers. I don't think that offensive line can block enough for be, uh, for Brian Robinson Jr. to have a good game. Our defensive line isn't going to be able to stop Bijan Robinson. I'm going to listen to Michael Phillips all week and his positivity Monday through Friday from 10 to noon and see if he can talk me into a victory. But I'm so down on the commanders. Thursday night fright. Just get your butts whooped on national television. You give up 40 points to the Chicago Bears. And I think the Falcons are a much better football team. And they looked solid this weekend as Desmond Ritter had his best NFL game, the quarterback out of Cincinnati. 833-804-0910. Do you believe the Commanders can turn it around against the Falcons? 833-804-0910. The reason that I'm so down on this team is that every year, every year, it feels like the Commanders follow the same script with head coach Ron Rivera, and that is starting the season slow, starting games slow, starting everything slow. It's a slow burn, and boy, does it sting the Rivera era. Each year, the Commanders get on a win streak at the end of the season and believe they're a playoff team only to falter. 
time and time again. Check out this stat. In Ron Rivera's career here in Washington, that team, the Commanders, has trailed or been tied at halftime in 73% of the games that he's coached. Only 27% of the time has this team had a halftime lead. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. Washington has trailed or been tied at half 41 of 56 games, 73%. 56 games he's coached Washington, and they've only had a lead at halftime in 15 of them. That tells me it's all coaching. He does not inspire anybody, not at all. The most uninspiring football I've ever watched on Thursday night. And then you know what? So we know he didn't have a good pregame speech because they came out flat and let the Bears score 17 points. And then he literally told reporters that he had nothing to say at halftime. He didn't speak. He let the players talk. And so that's why I wonder if Josh Harris should make a move. Because what is Ron Rivera being paid to do? Any other owner around the NFL would have fired Ron Rivera at the end of last season with that debacle of going back to Carson Wentz and blowing it to the Cleveland Browns. A team that was 7-5 and five and didn't get into the postseason because they finished 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. That's fireball offense right there. You're the evaluator of talent. You evaluated a terrible quarterback in Carson Wentz stunk with him in the beginning of the season and then went back to him the most important game of the season. You're a terrible head coach. You don't inspire people. Your draft picks aren't hitting. I don't understand what he's doing here. So here's my final take from the commander's embarrassing loss Thursday night football at home to the winless Bears. And that is, if you're upset with anything Eric Bieniemy's done or you're talking about Sam Howell as the problem, you're not watching the same football team that I am. You're not watching the same football games that I'm watching because all season long this offense has scored points outside of the Bills game where he made four mistakes and Antonio Gibson fumbled as well. This team has scored 20, 35, 30, and 20. And I take it back to the last season and I say this is an offense under Scott Turner and terrible quarterback play that scored 18 points per game, 18.9 points per game, and somehow won eight games. So all offseason we said, well, if the offense is slightly better, slightly improved, the defense will win us games. And that's just not the case right there. The offense has had issues. Sam holds on to the ball too much. Yes, they're improving week to week through rook, you know, working through some rookie mistakes. They're not the problem. Far from the problem. It's the defense. The defense can't stop anyone. They can't stop anyone. They're not playing inspired football at all. They're not creating turnovers. The defensive line that's being highly paid uh, to do stuff is doing nothing. They're not playmaking at all. So what's so frustrating for me is that that was a, not a, just a bad loss, but it was a terrible performance from start to vision, start to finish on national television against not only a winless team, but a team currently on a 14-game win streak. And that's so bad that I don't think the commanders can recover from this, especially facing off against a Falcons team that's hungry and they're at home in Atlanta. This is a nightmare scenario once again for Washington because our defensive line can't stop anyone on the ground. And they've got two good running backs, Tyler Algier and the rookie, Bijan Robinson, who has been incredible. He's got these jump cuts that I just know he's going to jump cut past Kendall Fuller. He's going to jump cut around Montez Sweat. He's going to destroy us on the ground. We're coming off the worst loss of the Rivera era, which was also coming off what I called the most heartbreaking loss of the Rivera era the week before, right? And so in the span of five days, you have two losses, and it's just put together because Ron Rivera's decision-making. Ron Rivera should have gone for two against the Philadelphia Eagles when you take a look and you say, oh, yeah, 
moral victory, but then you lose on Thursday night, and you come out and you put up a stinker. That tells me that they should have gone for two because they used all their energy. They The gas tank was on empty against that Eagles team, and they had nothing on Thursday night. Nothing. The Commanders have allowed opponents to score on 56.6% of their possessions. I mean, are you kidding me right now? Think, think about that for a second. Anytime the opposing team gets the football, more than 50% of the time, they're scoring either a field goal or a touchdown. Well, teams are going to touch the ball probably 10 times a game, right? So if you hold them to a field goal 50% of the time, you're still giving up way too many points. This defense is giving up basically 36 points per game. And we think an offense with a young quarterback and a bad offensive line and playmakers like Jahan Dotson that have disappeared, right? We think we're going to win games like that? No, not at all. So personally, I think Josh Harris should make a move. Now, I think he wants to sit back and be a fly on the wall and do nothing. But to me, the honeymoon phase is over now. After Magic Johnson fired off that tweet, he's pissed off. You get embarrassed on Thursday Night Football, embarrassed on national television. I'm not sure you can sit back and say, yeah, we'll wait till next year. All right, because next year Eric Bieniemy might have offers to be a head coach somewhere else. You know, next year uh, you might lose a, a bunch of free agents in the offseason. So the move might be right now. If you want to create some positive momentum moving forward, you might have to do something. Because I have a, I have a feeling, I have a hunch that Atlanta is going to embarrass us again next Sunday. Because that is a good football team that's moving in the right direction with a young head coach. Ron Rivera is such a dinosaur. The game has passed over him. All right, He doesn't know what he's doing anymore. He doesn't know when to challenge plays. He doesn't know when to go for it. I mean, look at that game against Washington, uh, I mean, against the Chicago Bears, where Sam Howell goes 12 yards to set up a fourth and two, and you decide to kick a field goal after you had just listened to the analytics and said, yeah, we're going to go for two. You went from a 24-point deficit to 16 to 13. That's stupid because you went from three possessions to two to also two. My math tells me they should have gone for it on fourth down. Every smart coach would have gone for it on fourth down. Ron Rivera doesn't know what he's doing. I, I took 100 calls on Saturday on WJFK and DC, and everyone said the same thing. We can't call him Riverboat Ron anymore. This is Paddleboat Ron. Uh, this is Ron on the last leg of his career here just coming up with nothing. I mean, my goodness. He had nothing to say to his team at halftime. You can't inspire them before the game. You can't inspire them at halftime. All of your draft picks have missed. You openly admitted that you didn't evaluate Sam Howell because you thought you should have been playing him last year when you realized how talented he was. What are you doing, Ron Rivera? What are you being paid to do? Because to me, you're cashing a paycheck week after week after week just to mumble, just to mumble at the press conference and make excuses. He's got excuses for everyone else, but nothing for himself here and for the fact that his team came out and stunk it up on Thursday Night Football after a heartbreaking loss to the Eagles, I don't know that there's any bouncing back from this. I, I think they're going to lose to the Falcons now. I, I feel like this is a team that's going to get blitzed by the New York Giants. The Eagles are going to win by 30. Cowboys are going to beat us twice. Are we going to end up as a team that wins just four or five games this season, or are we going to turn it around? I think the only way to turn it around is to let somebody go. Either Jack Del Rio or Ron Rivera. you got to put a fire under these players' butts, and Ron Rivera is just not doing that. He's the most uninspirational coach of all time. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. 
Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. I'm broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck, as you can catch me here every Monday throughout the NFL season, recapping local college football games, talking commanders, and get you guys set up for Monday night football. And look, I hate to be a negative Nancy, especially here on a Monday. I'm well aware that people don't listen to the radio to get down on their football team. They want to be uplifted. They want to feel like their team has a chance. But I'm being honest with y'all. I'm so down on this football team. I'm always high on them. I'm a homer. I always feel like we have a chance. But honestly, I could see a 10-game losing streak happen. You're on a three-game losing streak right now. You're at Atlanta. They're playing well. At New York. Home against the Eagles. They're undefeated. Then at New England. At Seattle. New York again. At Dallas versus Miami. I mean, my goodness. At the beginning of the season, how did I pick this team to win nine games? It just doesn't make sense now looking at the schedule. And you know what? The NFL screwed us. We only have eight home games. There's 17 games this year. How do we not have a ninth? How do we get screwed? Is it because we're not going to Germany? Is it because we're not going to London? Ugh, I'm so down on the commanders right now. Joining me right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, you can hear him on Grant and Danny Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30. It's Danny Ruye. What's going on, Funny Danny? What do you say, my friend? I'm not trying to pile on, buddy. I know what it's like. I've been there for decades because I'm obviously much older than you. But how's your Giants pick to win the division look? And I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, dude, I (laughs) empathize with you. All right? I know the hopelessness. Here's the thing. you got to look at the patterns. Look at how this thing takes shape. We thought for a split second, our fault for believing, just even for a microsecond, that Ron Rivera, a guy that's overmatched, frankly, could turn this thing in the right direction. I looked up a quote, by the way, uh, this morning from one of the introductory you know, articles, press conferences and the like, where he said, I don't have the patience for a long rebuild. I want to start winning right now, which is just so ironic. Thinking about that we're in year four of whatever the hell this is, where we haven't built or rebuilt or unbuilt or gone sideways or whatever. It's just the endless hamster wheel of nonsense. But here's what he does. His teams start off poorly, one and four, two and three, one and four, now two and three again uh, over the course of his time. Then in the middle chunk of the season, they play better. They've done that each year. So whether it's you know going back to a, a style of just handing the ball off and checking it down with a very limited quarterback, or the defense picks it up, they make some kind of adjustment, move Landon Collins into this uh, you know hybrid Buffalo nickel role or bench William Jackson, or something happens, they're going to play better. And then we'll end up in that seven and ten, eight eight and one nonsense. And that to me is enough. I, I don't want to be on this ride anymore. I watched San Francisco play last night. They don't have a first-round pick each of the last three seasons, and the guy that they did pick is on the bench in Dallas. And they're awesome. They're great at everything, and their quarterback is basically you or me, plucked out of anonymity, just throwing to wide-open people all the time as they are just annihilating people. Maybe injuries happen and they fall off, but they're the best-built team in the NFL. That's what it's supposed to look like when you have a dirt-cheap quarterback. You shrug your shoulders because you don't have Pat Mahomes. Nobody else gets to have Pat Mahomes either. Everybody else is jealous. They're going to compete every year in Kansas City as long as those two guys, Reed Mahomes, are there. But that San Francisco team, that's doable, and we're not close to that, and it's blood boiling. Do you think that Josh Harris and the new ownership group should make a move before the end of the season? We're all expecting them to clean house when it's all said and done, but through five weeks, if he's really listening to the fan base and has a pulse on the fan base, they all want Ron or Jack Del Rio gone right now. It's a great question. Uh, to me, it, it's limited upside, right? Because 
ultimately the person that is going to be making the real decisions for the future of this franchise doesn't work for them yet. You know what I mean? Like the, the smartest, sharpest general manager minds who are, you know, have, have a cohesive view where one move makes sense because it corresponds with the next move and the next move, and the next move. And you have an underlying core philosophy about who you are now and where you want to be. And that's not what Ron Rivera and the, and the guys that report to him are. It's, uh, you know, the right hand doesn't seem to know what the left hand is doing, despite the fact that, you know, they're all in it together. So that's been frustrating. Um, but to me, it's, it's, you know, rearranging deck chairs. Honestly, they need a house cleaning. Anything that was a Dan Snyder structure, appointee, et cetera, needs to be power washed out of this place. You do it in week seven. You do it in, you know, at, at five minutes after the final whistle after week 18. Doesn't really matter to me as long as we get to that same result, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, and Ron Rivera still has the stench of the Dan Snyder era, and Thursday night smelled like the Dan Snyder era. It was poop on TV. Uh, am I crazy to believe that if you gave Eric Bieniemy the reins to let him be the whole head coach, that he would inspire offense and defensively for this team to play better? So you know, it's one of those things where the people who put the cart before the horse an awful lot. There was a very common theory. I don't know if I want to call it a conspiracy theory or not because I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, that it's that fringe, but everybody sort of thought that at some point, you know, Rivera would be canned and the enemy would take over and it would be this glorious thing for a guy that, you know, got passed over countless amounts of times for other head coaching gigs for, you know, whatever reason. You could you could point to uh, whatever you'd like in that regard. I'm not here to legislate that, but that was a common theory. We have no idea. We've seen a, a decent sample from Eric Bieniemy when it comes to, you know, designing offense and figuring out, uh, you know, the best thing to do for Sam Howell and, and otherwise. But it's not as if it's been so unbelievably good that you realize that, oh, my God, everybody made this enormous mistake when they're talking about Bieniemy. This is somebody that Andy Reid was willing to let go. and They were going to have Matt Nagy go back and be the coordinator. He, he obviously wanted Bieniemy to succeed somewhere else. And this was kind of the best path for that was to take a, a neophyte, a fledgling uh, quarterback and an offense that hasn't been good for you know, for the better part of the last you know half decade, and kind of you know rejuvenate them and get them back into the upper tiers of the NFL. Well, they're not close to that right now. They're okay. They're middling. There've been some good moments certainly, but how does Jahan Dotson have less catches than Jake Ferguson? Explain that to me. You can't, right? I mean, so there there's certain some things where you're going, yeah, the quarterback's about to be sacked for an NFL record number of times. What what adjustments are being made? How is he being coached? So it's not as if that the enemy has been perfect. And by the way, I'm glad he's here. I'm rooting for him. I like Eric Bieniemy an awful lot. I like the accountability that he's brought. But it's not as if you found the next great one, right, who's already in your building. It's not as if it's Mike McDaniel or Kyle Shanahan or somebody that is such a high-level offensive genius that you can't simply live without him being in your organization. I'm not there yet. Could he get there? Absolutely. But you need a lot more good sample than they, than they put in the bank so far. Yeah, I think my take is just simply, though, when I hear Eric Bieniemy speak, all right, and I get it, the offense hasn't been unbelievable. It's been a step above last year, slightly, slightly, but it's been better than last year. But in, when I hear him speak, he sounds like a head coach. He sounds like a guy yep. that takes responsibility for his mistakes and the team's mistakes. He sounds like a leader of men, which is not what Ron Rivera is right now. Danny, what are your thoughts on Chase Young? He's first in the team with pressures, second in sacks, uh, tied for second with QB hits, and he missed a game. He, he's actually been yep. making a real big impact. He's been way better than I thought. And I'll raise my hand. I was wrong. I thought this was going to be one of those continuous problems. And we were, you know, headed for a messy, ugly divorce. And, you know, it may yet happen. But, I, I again, I, I'm at this point completely wrong in my assessment of what he was going to be and what his impact was going to be. 
this is a guy that I frankly just didn't think had any, had any pass rushing moves and was more concerned with his own celebrity than with being a good football player. And through three games or four games, rather, as you mentioned, he's been really good. And again, I, I was completely wrong in my assessment there. So it's been a pleasant surprise, certainly. I mean, you could have used more from him, not just him, but from everybody, from Sweat, from Allen, from Payne, uh, as well as Chase Young in those games against really good offenses, a.k.a. Philadelphia and Buffalo. You know, they kind of disappear there against good offensive lines. That's when you need those highly compensated first-round picks to not, not just be good, but to take over games because that's how the team's designed. It's a flawed design, but that's who they are and, and where they are right now. But overall, big picture, Adam, I thought he would end up with three-and-a-half sacks, James Smith-Williams style, for the season. The fact that he's already where he is speaks volumes to, you know, again, how wrong I was about him, his character, and kind of what he's been up to. Uh, you know, since kind of coming back for a game or two last season. I've been blown away by how effective he's been. Yeah, it's been a nice bright spot. I will say he still seems to be doing his own thing, which I think is pissing off Jack Del Rio. Like he goes to the inside or he doesn't contain the outside with Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. But he's definitely making a positive impact more than some negative plays. So the team has 10 days to rest now before facing off against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday, October 15th at 1 p.m. in Atlanta. And I just think it would be just so Redskins to win this game like 40 to 20. And then all of a sudden, everyone's jumping back on the bandwagon for this team. <laughs> yeah, it, by the way, it, now you're getting it. That's the DNA, right? So the, the, the D.C. Uh, <laughs> sort of sports mantra, pre-Capitals 2018, pre-Nationals 2019, is basically look awful, then rebound slightly to give you a renewed sense of hope, only to have that crashed once again. It's a special kind of uh, you know, uh, purgatory slash hell that DC sports tends to put you in. So as low as everyone is, you almost kind of wish they would just go on that streak that you were talking about in a bad way, put everyone out of their misery, but they'll be just enough. Remember they were seven, five and one last year. They went on a six, one and one stretch and controlled their own destiny only to just poo in the still only just a giant fart noise down the stretch where they couldn't beat the giants, that Cleveland debacle and all the rest. We know the story, right? That's the Washington special. That's what this organization has always done. They handle prosperity like I handle carbohydrates. Like, just, it's not a good match. It's bad. <laughs> they can't get right. Whenever something good happens, there has to be a violent, terrible shove backwards. And, and that's kind of been the staple. Not just Rivera, but the entire, you know, dec several decades, really, since Joe Gibbs left the first time. Yep, two steps forward, three steps back from 2-0 and to 2-3. and That's Danny Ruye. Follow him on social media. At Funny Danny, what you guys got coming up on the show today? So we're going to go hard with this idea that, that, you know, San Francisco is so good, they're so well-built, and yet they, haven't, they somehow haven't spent first-round draft picks on defense six of the last seven years. They're great, and Washington is not. Also got to talk about, uh, you know, John Allen was on the Junkies this morning, and he spoke about uh, who spoke at halftime. Remember that Ron Rivera quote where he's like, I, I didn't sign anything to him, I really did, and I let them talk to each other, okay? Well, who spoke? We now know that Jack Del Rio is one of the guys <laughs> that spoke. Which is fascinating, right? That's the guy with the plan that's allowed, I don't know, 400 yards of offense to two receivers by putting their kid quarterback corner out on an island for a couple of weeks. So peculiar things are, are afoot there in terms of leadership and who's really in charge. Hey, everything's cool because we won the third quarter, right? That's all it takes. You don't need to win four quarters. Just win one. Yay. Just win one. <laughs> third quarter, yay. <laughs> 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 Danny, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. You got it, brother. Be well. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM.
Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Richmond's home for the Washington Commanders. Every Commanders game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan. And we've got all this great local programming from the Junkies from 6 to 10. Michael Phillips from 10 to noon. I take over from 12 to 3 before we pass it off to Danny Ruye, who you just heard, and Grant Polson, Grant and Danny, from 3 to 6.30. Every Commanders game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan, though, with a pregame show and a two-hour postgame show. And this just in from Jacina Anderson. All right, She has been a longtime NFL reporter. She's an insider right now with CBS Sports. And it's a bit long, but uh, take a listen here. With the Commanders coming off a 40-20 to loss last week to the Bears on Thursday Night Football, Anderson writes, I'm told as of today, managing partner Josh Harris's perspective is to continue to allow things to play out when it comes to potential staff decisions. At this time, per source, Harris is a seasoned sports owner who is viewed internally as generally patient. I'm told one of Harris's biggest concerns now, though, is the impact an emotional national televised loss may have on ticket sales. That's a great point. That's exactly what I was talking about on Friday, she says, which always has to be taken into account, too, separately. When it comes to any decisions on defensive coordinator, there's an internal impression that Ron Rivera would prefer to allow things to play out. Rivera's relationship with Jack Del Rio goes back a while as well. A natural choice to potentially look into the past, Chris Harris, commander's debate coach from 2020 to 2022, is now the Titans' cornerbacks coach which factors into the equation moving forward as well she goes on to say my understanding overall is that Josh Harris does welcome console from other owners and also understands that early searches can be beneficial if he elects to go that route but moves like that customarily occur closer to the beginning of the coaching carousel now while I'm told some of the other limited partners have their own thoughts and you can read between the lines there. Of course, she's talking about Magic Johnson's tweet, how he was embarrassed with the uninspirational in, uh, effort on Thursday night. We'll see how things settle as the season evolves, but there is still time for better results. But the clock is ticking. And I'm, I'm so glad that Justina Anderson reports that and that there is rumbling from Josh Harris' camp that he's not happy. Because that was the, that was a topic of conversation on Friday. The junkies, in particular, were upset the fact that Josh Harris was smiling and laughing as this team was getting blown out by 20 points on national television. And that's why I said I believe that the honeymoon phase ended Thursday. You know, Josh Harris still thought it was the Burgundy and sold party, and that all he had to do was take over ownership and everyone be, would be happy. Well, that was the case for a while until this team went below 500, and the team went from two and zero for the first time to since 2011 to 2 and 3 once again a slow start in the Rivera era and the fan base wants him gone and so that report tells me that Josh Harris is listening to the fan base all right that he does have have a pulse on the fan base and he understands that something had to come out that he's not happy with this and it's it makes perfect sense that he's worried about ticket sales you had 3 home games get sold out this season there's only 5 more the team's got to make some money how do they make the money they get those, that game sold out. They get people buying merchandise. And nobody wants to spend a dollar after that embarrassing performance on Thursday night. So I'm glad that I'm hearing that report. It's very interesting. 
that I believe they want to move on from Jack Del Rio. The ownership group does. The problem is Rivera is too loyal to him. And I think that's going to be the case, is that Rivera is going to say, hey, you want to get rid of Jack Del Rio? you got to get rid of me too. And he's going to basically force Josh Harris to make a move that he doesn't want to make. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Looks like my dad called in on the hotline. What's going on, Dad? Mike, Hello. Hello, hello. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes, you sound pretty good. So what do you think of that, man? Would you like Josh Harris to make a move already and fire Ron Rivera? Uh, I think uh, I think that would be a good idea, but it's the whole thing of starting all over again. I'll tell you this, I was all set to go to a game and then watching, what was it, 27-3, 28-3 yeah. at halftime? I mean... I was ready to throw shoes at the, at the TV. I mean, I, I just <laughs> was so upset. It was, it was like, wait a minute, isn't this the team that we were going to kill? Aren't they the 31st ranked team? Right. And we're, we're up to 18. As a matter of fact, there were other two and two teams that were ranked 12. And I'm saying, what happened? Yeah. Well, what happened was Ron Rivera didn't inspire anyone with a pregame speech and then at halftime chose to not speak to the players, let the players speak to themselves. And I'm thinking, when I heard that, I, I, I wanted him fired immediately when I heard that. This is not Ted Lasso. This is not a television program for sports here. I, this is the NFL. And if you have nothing to say, then get the hell out. I felt the exact same way. I said, I hope he's going to come on and say, yeah, I let those guys know you know, what they had to do, and they, they just, you know, there's going to be some helmets flying. And, and when he said that statement, I said, God, that's just, just the way he's looking on the side. How can you be the coach and just fold your arms and walk around and look like, mm, we're down by three. I guess we're going to come back a little bit. And what's sad is that we did come back, but then, you know, those mistakes he talked about already of not going for it and, missing a field goal, I mean, everything. Uh, and, and I knew after 28 points, there was no way they were going to only score three points in the next, uh, you know, two quarters. So it was, it was over. It was over. But now, you know, is the season over? I mean, you, you like to think after five games that we still, have, we still have time and we do usually come back. But I right. think it's going to be another eight and eight, eight well, nine kind of well, thing, that, you know. Right. And tie. that's what's so interesting is that this is a this is a fluid situation here where like most ownership groups they say oh you're two and three that's not a terrible record we can come back from that but this is you're an ownership group replacing Dan Snyder and with a with a coach that honestly should have been fired last year and, and you just said it there Dad there are a hundred thousand people out in the DMV saying themselves saying the same thing to themselves damn I wanted to go to a game this year. Not anymore. Not anymore. Why would I spend my hard-earned money to deal with the traffic and the long lines uh, of going to FedEx Field and, and pay for the cash lot and then get in there and see the team you know, lay an egg? And so that's why I think Josh Harris might be forced to do something to light a fire under these guys here uh, because the fan base is upset and it is going to affect his bottom line if people don't want to go to games anymore or buy tickets or merchandise or anything. He's got to do something. Well, I'm just sick and tired of watching 30- and 40-yard passes go flying and then see, okay, let me, let me think, where, are, where is our defense? Oh, um, he's, 
nine feet behind. No, he's 11 feet behind. Oh, look, he's only six feet behind. And it's like, that's the best we can do? I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be catching passes and going another 20 yards and getting the touchdowns. And, you know, that start of that game was was one of the most sickening starts in, in the last 10, 15 years. It was yeah. It was horrifying. It, it reminded me of the Monday Night Massacre that we were both at when I came in a T-shirt that said Donovan McNasty on the back, and it started raining, and we got destroyed by the Eagles like 56-14, to 14, and it felt like that. You cannot have an embarrassing home loss like that. That is the worst defeat, and it's just so typical with this team, Dad. We've seen this year after year after year. Why are we so bad on prime time? Why are we so bad on prime time? It tells me it has to do with coaching, right? They don't get they don't get inspired to come out and play ever. It 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 just happens to be almost like oh no, we're on Thursday night. Oh no, we're on Sunday night. Oh no, we're on Monday night. And have we lost ninety percent of those games in the last ten fifteen years? Yeah, I mean, we just it seems lose, like it. lose lose lose. Uh, something's got to happen. Uh, you know, hopefully they're, they're watching the, the game and they're, they're starting to think, well, maybe, uh, maybe we should change a little bit on the defense. The other thing was, was so sad is that this great defensive line, where were they? You know, why did we give him so much time to just throw that ball? And yet our quarterback is bombed down within two, three seconds. There's three guys coming at him. And I thought he did pretty darn well with, uh, I mean, I couldn't believe I saw in the paper, I think it was today or yesterday that he was the highest, um, you know, he had the most yards uh, of, of all, uh, all the quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. He was no, he's looked good. He, he's, I mean, he's been a bright spot. The problem is, is that we drafted two offensive linemen. They're not making an impact. We drafted two defensive players. They're not making an impact. So it's just everything Ron Rivera has done, Recently, it's just not working, and so that's why I think they do need to make a move. Dad, I thank you for chiming in. I appreciate it. Uh, you can get back to your sure. busy schedule the rest of the day here, but uh, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM.